it's fundamental to understand that we're not going there to fix anybody or fix anything. We are going in there, especially if you don't know the, the, the processes or the system involved, you are a student at that point. Uh, so that's where humility comes into play. And unfortunately, as you already know, there's a lot of, um, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of bias uh, in a consultant's mind where, you know, I know things, I'm here, I know how to help you out. You just don't know, right? I'm, I'm about to crack open your brain and see the new uh, world, but that's not the case. It's actually, we, we need to crack open our own brains to understand what these uh, folks are doing and how we can help them out. Uh, not to be better, to be exceptional. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the New England Lean podcast. My name is Paul Critchley, president of New England Lean Consulting. I'll be your host. I hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day, if you so choose to uh, celebrate the Hallmark holiday. Now, I know it's not a real holiday, but um, to be honest with you, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have one day out of the year where it's, I'll say, sort of dedicated to spreading love. So I hope you guys had some fun and enjoyed the day. This week, it's my honor to have Panos Efsta to the show. Panos and I are good friends, and I'll apologize a little bit in advance. Uh, because he and I know each other so well, when we hop on to record this episode, we kind of jumped right into it. Uh, normally, if you're a regular listener, you know that I will throw it over to the guests to have them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about them, because obviously not everybody knows everybody. Uh, I do course correct about uh, three or four minutes in, um, but I think it goes to show what Panos's it, passion is for lean, and that's why I chose to name this episode what I did, because um, he's just, you know, to talk to Panos and to know him, it really comes through, um, you know, what his, what his passion for all of this is, and that's why I, I really put Panos up there with those folks who I think embody what Lean is really all about. Now, and that's just my opinion. Um, because, but to listen, like I said, to listen to him talk, uh, it really comes through that he's legitimately, eternally curious, and God, I can't come up with a better word. He's just passionate about helping folks get to excellence as you know, he kind of puts it. Now, a little background on Panos. I mean, the guy, is, he's the real deal. Uh, he, he tells the story. He came to this country, the United States, with almost nothing, you know, and he's built himself into what he is today through sheer grit, determination, intent, you know, whatever adjective you want to put to it. And I have honestly nothing but respect for him. Uh, now, a little, like I said, I'll get to the background here. Uh, he's got a certificate in operations and value chain management from the MIT uh, Sloan School of Management. He's a certified Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt from Villanova. Um, he's got a few accreditations and certificates from the TWI Institute, which if you saw my LinkedIn post uh, from this past week, that is, uh, I'll say, the official, air quotes, spinoff from the... Uh, TWI, uh, 
Enterprise, I forget exactly what it's called, but from the War Department from World War II, when we had to train a bunch of people up in this country uh, very quickly because of the war effort in manufacturing. So uh, he's got a you know bunch of certifications from them. Um, he's got a systems thinking and public health certificate from Johns Hopkins. Uh, he's been um, an ops manager. He was a director of operational excellence in industry. He went out on his own, so he was an external consultant for a while. So he's really done a ton of stuff. Um, he's landed now at Bryan Health in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm so excited and, and optimistic that he, Panos, is now within the healthcare industry helping you know proliferate lean because that's an industry that desperately needs that kind of help and i'm so glad that somebody with you know panis's background and abilities are now helping because again i think in that industry it just it needs a lot of love and for all the right reasons um so i'm very excited that panos is is now in that industry and helping out there but um it was a great episode. Like I said, he and I know each other pretty well. So I think that comes through when you hear us talk um, because it's just easy. And Panos is an easy guy to talk to, especially for any lean practitioner. So I strongly, highly uh, recommend and encourage you to reach out to him uh, if you if you hear this episode and, and he says something that you find interesting, which I think you will. I don't know how you couldn't, um, but he's always welcome or welcoming to, you know, have conversation with people and help in any way he can. So I, uh, I'll link to his, you know, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Um, and like I said, please reach out to him because he's, he's a great guy to have on your side and, and have, you know, in your, uh, in your friend circle, in your professional circle, um, as somebody to lean on. So as always, um, I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope you get something out of it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Welcome to the New England Lean Podcast. I am your host, Paul Critchley. And today I am ecstatic to welcome my good friend, Panos Efsta. Panos. Howdy, sir. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? How you been? Good, good, good. Long time no see. I know I know. Like it before uh, virtually, but I haven't seen you for quite a while. Yeah, I know. It's just it's, you know, with it, like everything else, COVID messed everything up. So, That's right. That's right. you know, it was so much to, to manage just with the kids in school and now they're doing virtual and yeah, to help them with, you know, getting that. And then my wife works full time. So they moved her to home. She's actually still working from home. So she's coming up on a year now. Um, so just a lot, you know, it was chaos. Absolutely. Typically, that's, you know, they typically say what adapt or die, right? It's most likely it's like adapt or create chaos. Right. Right. And that's, you know, so we talk a lot of the podcast, which, you know, if anybody listens, they've heard this before. So I'll keep it brief. But, um, you know, we're as lean practitioners, we're constantly talking about, you know, managing change and how do we do it and all this kind of fun stuff. And sometimes that change comes when we don't want it to, at least with when we're doing lean initiatives, it's it's sort of up to us. You know, we can say, well, maybe we're not quite ready for that just yet or whatever. COVID did not give us that option, right? It's you're changing whether you like to or not. And I, I talk a little bit about it because I think it's a good um, parallel to real life. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So Exactly. And uh, it really goes down to uh, the fact that, you know, we have to feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Uh, and when we don't, unfortunately, we're going to see circumstances like that being uh, you know, challenging for everyone. And, and I'm not saying they're easy uh, by all means, 
but really if you if you have trained yourself to be uncomfortable um you know i mean comfortable around uncomfortable situations which is pretty much um come you know you're coming across your uh, you know your threshold of knowledge or pretty much uh to force yourself to say hey i don't know i need help uh, and if you're not comfortable doing that um circumstances like this is going to be even more detrimental for your personal life or even your career because you're not used to reaching out to uh, exploring to be intentionally curious and and that takes a toll on people yeah for sure right it, it, in it is difficult and it's it's interesting we had um uh, uh, Dagmar Vallejos and Tom Lenski on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we talked a lot about just that, which was how do you, as lean practitioners, you know, sometimes we even get stuck where it's, we'll, we'll come up with, you know, and, and you were an external consultant. That's what I do now. So we kind of develop our packages and our trainings and modules and all this kind of fun stuff. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, so I'll pick on myself. Sometimes we just say, all right, well, that's done. And I'll put that on the shelf. And that way, if anybody needs it, I'll take it off the shelf and, uh, and just deliver it. And we can sometimes get caught up in that. And it's interesting because sometimes you have to look at you in the mirror and you think, you know, duh, you know, you have to, we have to change along with everything else. So when COVID hit, you know, we had to move to virtual and all kinds of different things. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, uh, I would say no two people are uh, always going to be exactly uh, alike and no two circumstances will be exactly alike, right? Uh, we need to uh, be very, very sensitive to the fact that, you know, um, organizations, people uh, start from different uh, starting conditions. So we have to be very sensitive to that because, you know, just like you say, you know, the, the, the cookie cutter mix, uh, unfortunately, is not going to be always applicable. And uh, it goes back to really understanding uh, your condition and, and the, the circumstances surrounding it. Otherwise, um, it's almost like, you know, uh, applying the wrong, uh, I would say, intervention to a patient, um, you know, just because he has some symptoms and you say, okay, well, it's COVID symptoms. And uh, therefore, I'm going to apply this intervention because it's, you know, the cookie cutter mix. So we cannot do that. Uh, you know, and, and I see this in healthcare a lot where, you know, uh, healthcare has a lot of things to teach them uh, and help. The re in every other industry uh, learn in regards to understanding the circumstances clearly, um, because as you as you know, uh, I mean, my background uh, started in manufacturing, so it was easy to say, you know, we want to be like Toyota, so uh, you know, this is kind of uh, you know the flow of this line that typically you know uh, Toyota or other best practice uh, organizations might uh, might be applying. So let's just copy paste. And there's a lot of that happening. And you can see that uh, even uh, more recently with automation and robotics. And, uh, you know, uh, a great company like Tesla, for example, you know, struggled with the automation at the beginning because it's not, it's not a cookie cutter application. Um, one thing that we're not sensitive about is, um, you know, not just only, we say culture, but I don't think a lot of people understand what that means. Um, we have to be sensitive and empathetic, not only to our customers, but also to our employees. Um, you cannot have one or the other, right? Um, so, uh, so all these circumstances, you know, come from how you are as an individual at your own home. Uh, and of course you apply that at your work. Uh, you know, I, and I wrote that in my book saying that, hey, this is a lifestyle. You, you cannot just switch it on and off whenever you leave the office or whenever you're coming uh, to work. Uh, so it, it really, you know, it's everything is linked, no doubt about it.
And that's important point. So thank you for bringing that up. And we'll link to the, I, I forgot to, we kind of jumped right in. I didn't even go through the usual, like, how, you know, introduce yourself because you and I obviously know each other pretty well. So let me back up a little. For those who don't know you, can you just, you know, maybe give us the dime tour and how you got to where you got to? Oh boy. Uh, we're going to need a few days for that. <laughs> so, so my name is Spanos Evsta. Uh, so, uh, uh, currently, I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of a great team at Bryan Health uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, a health organization that I would say it's, um, uh, you know, really making an impact in the community. Uh, and uh, I love being part of this team because we have a great executive team. We got uh, great senior leaders. We got great uh, uh, individuals across the board. Look, nobody's perfect, of course, but uh, it's the willingness is there and I love it, uh, you know. I never, I never perceive uh, work as work. You know, I try to enjoy it as much as I can and see it more as uh, my opportunity to elevate myself. So uh, my background started, gosh, um, I would say uh, to date, uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I came to U.S. Uh, and from uh, Greece. So as a student, uh, I was studying actually physics. Uh, for my undergraduate. So uh, I took the leap of faith. I was about 17 years old and I just uh, took a, uh, the plane over. I had my, uh, my luggage with me, just a couple of bags, I would say. Uh, and I was like, let's see what happens, right? Uh, but I was very intentional about it. I was not uh, just kind of arbitrary in my, uh, in my curiosity there. So since then, uh, I spent my first years uh, out of college in, um, in manufacturing where I learned, uh, I would say, great ways to think. I'd, uh, I, I was blessed enough to have great leaders around me. Uh, my, my, one of my uh, bosses, uh, Tom Roberts at Modine, uh, Leslie Suster, Client Tools, uh, you know, great individuals. And uh, I was able to learn how to think uh, differently. And when I say differently, um, really not going by the book, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying to build my intentional curiosity, uh, even if I didn't know at that point and it felt very uncomfortable, right? It goes back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, hitting that wall. So, uh, uh, so life brought it, uh, things in a way where um, I started my MBA at the Jack Wells Management Institute not too long ago, about uh, four years ago. And, uh, you know, uh, it really inspired me. I got to talk to Jack Wells several times. You know, we had him in, in you know, uh, in, in uh, sessions like this, like Zoom sessions uh, like that. So we get to learn a lot of it and, and challenge really our behavior and our thinking. Um, now, some people might think Jack Wells was a rough guy, and, uh, uh, but um, uh, everybody's, of course, uh, you know, have their own opinion. What I will tell you, though, is one thing that really stuck with me is transparency. And, um, and really, if you cannot be transparent with yourself, you will never be transparent with those around you. And, and when I say transparency, you know, being, of course, in a respectful manner, right? Uh, and that's how what, what builds trust. And uh, unfortunately, you, you, we see that today in our world, right? And especially in our country here, uh, trust is something that uh, doesn't exist. Uh, people don't feel comfortable say, I trust. So, um, uh, so, so through that, anyway, um, I got my opportunity to start uh, consulting externally after my years in manufacturing, because I was really interested in getting into healthcare, uh, knowing that healthcare has kind of fallen behind the eight ball when it comes to innovation and um, uh, you know redesigning of the system as a whole, right? The healthcare system, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing and in, in, uh, in other industries have invested a lot of capital on their uh, innovations, you know, through mergers and acquisitions, uh, you know, through new technology introductions. So healthcare had fallen behind, and, and even if 
there were a lot of, um, uh, you know, innovative products out there, right? Telehealth and, uh, you know, analytics. It was very um, uh, segmented, very specific organizations had uh, really taken the leap of faith to, to introduce those. Because as you can imagine, right? And as you probably know, uh, one of the, uh, the experts you are is that, you know, change is very hard. And my goodness, you introduce it in an environment where, uh, like healthcare, where you have highly educated individuals, right? They have, they have really molded their thinking around their education, which is unfortunately uh, not as innovative. And uh, it's, it's been really challenging. So uh, I wanted to get into that. My sister is a physician in, in uh, Advocate Medical uh, in Chicago. So um, I was always, um, I would say, playing cat's ball with her on, um, on healthcare. So uh, I started my own uh, uh, consulting firm with my wife, and uh, we had the opportunity to uh, get into healthcare and uh, meet great people. Uh, and make uh, and build relationships and collaborate with uh, different individuals from uh, different, uh, I would say, levels uh, in healthcare, from CEOs all the way to even. I spent a great time working with the um, uh, with the janitors, uh, you know, cleaning the hospital. Which is, you know, back if you go back, uh, if I go back about two three years when I started working with them, it's in the cleanliness of their room, right, and the organization of their room. Uh, it might not have seemed so important, and guess where we are today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, the, uh, the cleaning services within the healthcare uh, um, facilities are one of the most important uh, functions right now, if, I, if not the most important function, because you can work hard, you know, uh, to um, provide care to a patient, but if their room is not um, sanitized and clean, oh my gosh, it's like uh, spreading, uh, spreading death around nowadays. Right, so, right. Uh, so uh, I had the opportunity again to build relationships and uh, I wanted to get into healthcare in a full-time basis because, uh, you know, I, 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 am, uh, I'm, I want to consider myself visionary and very uh, methodical uh, strategist. So uh, I wanted to be part of something great. And I want to look back later on, you know, whenever uh, I decide to retire, probably never, but uh, I want to leave something back for uh, our family and our kids uh, in the future and uh, really make an impact to our country. Um, you know, healthcare is going to be detrimental financial for uh, financially for our for our kids uh, and us, of course, as we're growing older. And uh, this is a great opportunity to leave something behind that is going to make an impact to everyone. Mm. Um, so uh, I invest a lot of my education around healthcare. Uh, currently, actually, I'm, I'm wrapping up my finance master's and then uh, hopefully soon, uh, uh, you know, God willing, of course, I'm studying my, uh, my master's in law in uh, healthcare policy and, uh, uh, and um, management. Wow. So, yeah, I'm trying to build my education because I'm a big believer on, um, on learning, uh, intentional learning, right? Uh, you, uh, if you have heard me before, you know, I, I keep on saying about uh, intentional curiosity. So intentional learning is part of that. It's a component of that, of that system. And uh, what great way to learn, uh, of course, in a very uh, key topics and, uh, of course, apply it in every day. So uh, that's the best way to, I would say, uh, turn something and learning to a skill. So I have, a, I have the blessing to work with a great team at, uh, here at Bryan Health and uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, I mean, I could not be prouder and uh, I would say happier to be here with my family. Nice. Well, congrats, man. You're doing, I mean, like I said, you and I have known each other for a long time and uh, even I didn't know all of that stuff. So thank you for sharing and thank you for the work you do because, you know, we do a little bit in healthcare um, here with my business, but not a ton. Um, but anytime we've done it, you know, the, the, 
consultant side, I, you know, if I'm not there, if it's one of our folks, they'll always say, you know, this is probably one of the most rewarding experiences mm-hmm. I've ever had. We have, um, one of our guys, Bob, um, uh, he had his own consultancy for a long, long time. And he did a lot in, uh, like gas, the gas industry in the Southeast part of the country. Um, and we did a project with a hospital in Rhode Island for, uh, in the maternity ward, really. And, and it was all about the patient experience for new moms. And there was some, from some pretty sobering statistics as far as how many, you know, were here in this country by themselves, didn't speak English, you know, didn't know what resources they had available scary stuff, you know, I mean, just try to put yourself in those positions. And, and uh, so he was the lead, I happened to be there, but to listen to some of the nurses tell these stories of the patients that they were helping with, it was, it really puts things into perspective, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's great, I know people maybe have their bias, uh, you know, um, against the US uh, healthcare system. But we cannot just judge uh, every element of the system just because the whole does not, uh, uh, you know, um, it, it does not make us feel comfortable. Right. There's great, there's great professionals. Um, everybody's uh, cares to do the right thing, and they go to to work every day to do the right thing. Uh, uh, and I know we used to use, uh, we used to say that in manufacturing back in the day, where you know nobody comes here to be, um, you know. To cause harm or cause a defect, mm-hmm. right? Intentionally. So in healthcare, there's a lot of emotions into play. So uh, people, we citizens and patients, of course, alike, we need to be sensitive to the fact that uh, there's a lot of caregivers. Uh, I would say all caregivers putting their life at risk to provide care. So it's not just their education that they have invested on. They educate. The, they're investing their emotions and uh, uh, their personal, I would say, um, sanity. Uh, because it's not easy to deal with us mm-hmm. uh, patients. Um, so it's really, it's really exciting to see and be part of uh, that world because uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, one process change, one system redesign can actually save lives. Right. Even if you're not considering yourself a physician or, or a clinician, uh, working and collaborating with uh, you know, uh, all this um, diversified uh, thinking on the table, uh, you can really save lives and make an impact. So I want to go back to, thank you, Panos. Uh, I want to go back to something you mentioned. Uh, it sparked a thought and, and, and I apologize to anybody listening or watching, cause I'm going to butcher this a little bit. There's a story or an adage about, I believe it's building the Sistine chapel and there's three, right. There's three guys, they're helping to build it. And I think the priest walks in, he asks the first man, what are you doing? And the guy says, well, I'm laying bricks. And he asks the second guy, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm building this wall. And he asks the third guy, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm building the uh, house of God. You know, so it's all about the, the perspective, you know, because you could say the bricklayers are just building the building, just like you alluded to a little while ago, that the janitorial staff is, you know, sweeping and mopping the floor. But that's not really all. Tr- well, it's true, but it's not the whole story. They play a vital role in the health in the whole value stream of the healthcare system. So I'm curious, can you maybe hum a few bars? Because you said you've been working with those, you know, uh, from maybe a few years ago. How did that go when you first came in? You're like, hey, I know Lean, and we're going to do some cool stuff. Did they push back? Did they look at you funny? Like, how did that go over? 
So one thing that I've learned, and I would say um, by looking myself in the mirror several times is um, not a project like, you know, I, I know lean or I know something uh, more of, uh, you know, I'm here to learn, you know, uh, you know, what is it that you do and how that connects to the whole system, right? So um, it has been, you know, I almost remember this vividly. Um, they're perceiving their jobs as, you know, I'm just cleaning rooms, you know, I'm just mopping the floor, I'm just cleaning the table and I'm just, you know, putting things together. Uh, and this is where, uh, unfortunately, um, the, the, the virus starts growing inside our brain. Um, when we're not uh, really, um, you know, acknowledging the impact that we're making, regardless how little we might think our job or title uh, be. So, uh, you know, again, it was for them, uh, it was as, you know, as little as I'm just cleaning, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not a clinician. I maybe have not even gone to school. So, but it, it was uh, it was for me to really not fix any help them fix not process. It's really helping uh, uh, reinvent their thinking uh, and see themselves, you know, uh, in a much in a much different way. So uh, there's uh, you know uh, there's some images out there on uh, on the internet where you know you see a little cat you know looking um, uh, in the mirror right and you see the image of a lion. Yeah, right. So it was pretty much uh, like that. You know, how do we go from from thinking yourself uh, small uh, or unimportant, right, and uh, uh, turning your your thinking in such a way where you're intentionally uh, building your curiosity and say, you know, what if, what if, you know, what, you know, how do I how do I fit in this system? And unfortunately, I would say over the years. Um, uh, we approach things more of a process level, right? Let's fix the process and uh, do X, Y, and Z. And we forget really, man, what impact are we making to the whole system? Um, and I think that's where, uh, I, think, I know that that's where uh, a lot of the times we're missing the ball here um, in, in the consulting world or in the uh, in lean practices or six or whatever you want to call it, that we, we fail to understand really how do we couple ourselves into the whole system? And that, that actually is detrimental because, uh, you know, um, not only we don't value our work as much, but also we, we you know, people that we're trying to sell it to uh, don't see it as important. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, Lean as itself is, uh, you know, uh, as a thinking, uh, and, and I'm kind of excluding all the tools and methodologies and uh, the greatness behind it, uh, is what we say uh, in us innovating. And the only way we can innovate is really by changing our perspective and our thinking. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, I started um, promoting a lot of, you know, think big, right? And not big, but big, you know, build intentional curiosity. So if you get to that mode that you're building yourself uh, to be intentionally curious, um, you don't see obstacles um, as failure. You don't see obstacles as a way to, uh, to turn back, but really ask yourself, how can I go over or through or around these obstacles? And, uh, and that applies to our personal lives as well. So, uh, so for that uh, particular example that I, that I mentioned to you, you know, for them, it was more of a, um, you know, the complaint between, you know, nursing and uh, the janitorial services as to, um, which, by the way, they're called environmental services, not janitorial, but I just want to okay. make sure that everybody understands that. Um, it was more of a, you know, well, you don't, you, you don't clean good enough or you don't put your, your, the, the furniture back into the rightful place. So now nursing has to spend the time to do that. 
And uh, people don't understand that uh, what you sell on everything that you do is not a product, is not a service, but it's the experience. I don't care if you're a physician, I don't care if you're an astronaut, I don't care if you're a consultant, you sell an experience, uh, right? A little kid wants to be an astronaut. I remember when I was little, I was, you know, uh, you know uh, I was very into um, uh, the pilots and the, um, uh, and the astronauts. You know, it was the experience. Little did I know what they were doing in detail, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, the same thing goes with what we do at our own uh, environments. We sell an experience. And once people buy on that experience, they will be willing to do anything it takes to enjoy, to, to, you know, to experience that. Um, so um, just like, you know, when you go to Disneyland, right, you go for the experience. You don't go for the particular ride. You don't go for the, for the hot dogs or the burgers and the lemonade. <laughs> yeah, right. You go for the experience, right? And, um, and, uh, and that's what I, I believe, you know, makes people enjoy and find joy in what they do. And not just to clean better uh, a patient room or arrange it uh, the proper way is really how do they connect their work uh, with the patient um, himself, right? Uh, you know, the whole patient experience. And that's where they see the value, mm. right? Uh, so, um, you know, when I was little, you know, I, I used to help my mom a lot and cleaning around the house. And I'm like, why? I don't even understand. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do all these chores, right? but he's really understanding the value that you're bringing in, building that mentality, the value that you're bringing in of, of being part of something that looks clean and, 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 and good. And, and then you can sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I live in a clean house in a, in a very sanitized environment and uh, comparing to, you know, what I might see around. Me. So it's the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how have you, did you start out when you were learning about lean and continuous improvement thinking, did you draw that parallel with the experience or did that evolve kind of over time? And if, if the latter, like, how did you develop that? You see, uh, when I, when I first came here in the United States, uh, as a 70 year old kid by myself, uh, and literally I hopped on a plane and, uh, you know, I say goodbye to my parents. Right. And, um, I, I, I travel overseas, you know, for 15 hours what I will tell you is uh, what drove what you know drove me to come here uh, is not the what we call you know what we used we used to call land of opportunity. Mm. It's the experience. Um, and one thing that I say to all my friends and, and colleagues is that um, the perspective that people have outside of, of this country is the experience. Um, you know the life you know the life that you live, not the opportunities you have. It's the experience to live in a much different life. Uh, so, uh, base building on that, you know, I was really, um, I would say I was very a curious kid when I was little, especially, uh, early on, I was very into math and, uh, you know, and physics uh, early on in my life, I would say almost uh, since uh, elementary school. So I really built it on that and, uh, and coming here allowed me to even, uh, build more of that curiosity and uh, really understanding, you know, that aha moment that, you know, that was turning into a wow moments, right? Whenever, especially in physics, I remember in our lab work, you know, we used to have a lot of wow moments because we were, we were getting to experience, um, you know, uh, the equations and, the, um, and, the, and uh, the new discoveries that it was, they were not new. It was new to us as students, right? They had been discovered many, many years ago. Uh, and just seeing those experiments take shape, you know, and actually feel it and, and, and see it. Uh, it, it was just building on that experience. And uh, it just, I believe after that, it was just automatically my brain just kept on building and dragging into that. And of course, you know, 
they tell you in, uh, invest in something that um, you're good at, uh, that you enjoy. You know, I say be careful with that. As long as you know, uh, as long as you want to invest in becoming great at it, and then you can monetize it. Yes, those, don't just well, put yeah, it in your yeah, line. Yeah, yeah just right. yeah. Uh, invest in something that you're good at that you know you can be great at and then of course you know uh, then you can monetize it and of course as you monetize it then you can help so many other people nice nice because you know we talk a lot especially on this podcast but uh you know we talk a lot about the respect for people column you know pillar of uh, uh on the house of lean and invariably that turns to the culture piece. And I, but it's interesting because nobody, no other guests, I don't think I'm trying to remember back, but nobody has talked about it from a passion standpoint. And that's really interesting to think about because, you know, as a external consultant, which you were too, and, and that's part of what I try to do. And we all try to do, even as lean practitioners, if we're working in a company we try to get people excited about this and it's, it's a little bit of uh, a challenge because, you know, there's a, this, this people don't like change belief. And, and I always like to say that people don't like being changed. And I, cause I think that's 10, you know, might be semantics, but I think that's more true, but either way, you know, guys like you and me show up or any, you know, somebody says, Hey, I'm so-and-so from the lean program office, and I'm here to help you make your job work better. And sometimes we'll get people look at us and like, who the heck is this guy? Have you ever done, you know, have you ever worked in healthcare before? Have you ever been a nurse or a doctor or, you know, a technician or anything? I'm like, well, no, I haven't. But it's all about, right? It's all about getting the environmental services people to understand that, yeah, you're pushing in chairs and you're cleaning tabletops and doorknobs and floors. But in the patient experience, you know, if you don't do that real well, it creates a lot of other work for other people. And oh, by the way, it can actually harm people in a hospital environment if you don't, you know, if you get, they get an infection or whatever. So it's actually vitally important, the work that you do. We have some uh, public school system and a university that are clients of ours. And we have these similar kinds of discussions. You know, nurses, doctors, teachers, professors, those are some of the most passionate people that I've gotten the honor of being able to work with. Because, you know, for the most part, like uh, both of our neighbors, we have two neighbors uh, are, are nurses, you know, they don't drive Porsches and Ferraris back and forth. And, you know, they're not in it for the money. They're in it because they're trying to help people. So mm -hmm. anything that we can do to, to help them be able to do that, you know, better, I think is to your point. It's what we're kind of here for, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, look. Um, Ferraris and Porsches and all that, um, they're, they're okay. You know, I mean, uh, if that's what you like, uh, there's no judgment and there should never be judgment for that. What I will tell you is that, you know, who do you want to be, uh, you know, they, uh, I'm pretty sure they, uh, Paul, they asked you too when you were um, younger uh, in, in school and they say, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up or what you want to be? Um, actually, what you want to be when you grow up, right? Nobody asked us who you really want to be when you grow up. And, um, um, and really, um, the answer, there's no magic answer here is the answer is a better version of ourselves because we need to keep building on ourselves. Um, as I said earlier on is that two, not two people will be exactly alike, just like our fingerprints. So, um, individuals, uh, on any industry, I believe they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, 
there are a lot of them that uh, they're putting in a lot of good effort because uh, Tesla did not invent itself. Um, you know, um, uh, NASA did not invent itself, and a lot of other great companies out there. Uh, there were people that came up with, um, you know, the thinking and the effort and the passion to create the the COVID vaccine, uh, to create, you know, um, you know the. Uh, uh, robotics and the robotic surgery rooms that we have today available in our uh, disposal. So the same thing happens uh, in any aspect of our life. So passion is uh, is a driving force. We have to be careful with it, though, because, uh, you know, going in and saying this, like you said, you know, I'm here to help you do your job better. Uh, we almost uh, saying, all right, because uh, how we, we, we communicate a message, right? is as important to uh, not what we only communicate, but how we communicate it. And actually, uh, you brought that up and we had that discussion with several of uh, the nursing teams I'm working with this week. Um, you know, how can we structure the message in such a way where it's, you know, we realize how we communicate to, to people. So with that said, it's fundamental to understand that we're not going there to fix anybody or fix anything. We are going in there, especially if you don't know the, the, the processes or the system involved, you are a student at that point. Uh, so that's where humility comes into play. And unfortunately, as you already know, there's a lot of, um, um, you know, a lot of bias uh, in a consultant's mind where, you know, I know things, I'm here, I know how to help you out. You just don't know, right? I'm, I'm about to crack open your brain and see the new uh, world, but that's not the case. It's actually, we, we need to crack open our own brains to understand what these uh, folks are doing and how we can help them out. Uh, not to be better, to be exceptional. Hmm. Uh, because, uh, you know, we all have, um, uh, I would say, um, capabilities that we have not yet um, discovered. It's almost, you know, um, uh, you know, we are rough, you know, we're stone with the rough edges, right? We just try to uh, to be the sculptor and start, you know, sculpting away. And at the end, right, one day we can have a, a nice monument there or, you know, uh, um, uh, you know uh, a sculpture there that say, oh my gosh, you know, this came out from this ugly stone from the beginning with. Um, it's, it has to start like that. You cannot call the ugly stone an ugly stone. You have to call the ugly stone a beautiful monument. Um, and the potential it has. It's a lot of selling that has to happen. And, and one credit that I will give to uh, people, you know, like yourself and a lot of other consultants and regardless if you're an external consultant or you're actually working in an organization as an internal consultant, consultant you're a great salesperson. You, and you have to be a great salesperson, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, because you're selling that experience, you know. Um, it's like, you know, the difference between Apple and Dell. Uh, Dell sells you a computer that you can customize. Apple sells you the experience, you know. Uh, it sells you the environment that you can be part of, right? And download your iTunes and have this, that, and the other. So it's your choice to be a Dell or an Apple, so. Right. That, that's, see, man, this is exactly why I wanted you to come on because I knew you were going to make my head explode. <laughs> right. And describe this in a way that even I, you know, have it, I've been doing lead for golly, it's gotta be almost 20 years now. And as an external consultant for what, seven or eight, I've never have connected these dots. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And, and look, it's not, um, uh, it's the mindset of continuously learning. You're doing that every day and every podcast you have, 
you're, you know, you're adding more, you know, not only value to uh, the listeners, but you're adding value to yourself, whether you know it or not, because you get to, to see a different perspective. Um, and now I would say more than ever before, it's so important for us to realize that concept that we need to really be uh, intentional learners, um, not just internal learners, but intentional. Um, uh, find what the better version, you know, uh, find what the better version of yourself should be, right? And go after it. Um, it's not about, you know, as you, you know, as you mentioned, it's not about, you know, the Porsches and Ferraris or anything. Uh, what excites you the most, right? And of course, as I said before, uh, keep on building on that. And if becoming great at it, you can monetize it. And by monetizing, you can help others, of course. Um, if you just follow just um, strictly your passion, does not necessarily mean that you can make an impact. You can might be a temporary impact to yourself, right? Uh, but that's about it. Well, that's the most powerful piece of lean. I mean, and that's really when I have the experiences of when we're able to help a client and specifically the people that work there. You know, we've had, I, there's a story I've told before about one of our clients where there's a, a, a machinist that came up to me and, you know, basically I'll paraphrase, but he's basically, he's like, listen, I wasn't too sure this was all going to work because, you know, and I don't go in, by the way, I don't go in and say, Hey, I'm Paul, I'm going to fix you. Right. Cause that's a great way to get a two by four upside the head, but you know, so you're right. Part of it is sales. Like I don't go to people on the front line and say, Hey, we're going to help the company make more money because they may or may not care. They're like, all right, well, I can kind of connect the dots and see that that's going to be, you know, maybe I'll get a piece of that in a bonus or a pay raise or job security or what have you. But a lot of times it's like, why do I care? I just, I punch the clock. I work here. And same things, you know, we don't always go to a CEO or an owner and say, Hey, we're going to improve your uh, employee experiences. You know, they're like, well, that's great. But I really called you because our on-time delivery is in the tank and we need help, you know? So we do have to tailor the message at the same time, as you know, every client's a little bit different. So I don't crack the lean textbook open and say, all right, let's see. Uh, you said you have this problem, this problem, this problem. And the flow chart says you need a value stream map. So we're going to do that for three days and then everything will be fine. Cause you know, and I both know, and everybody listening knows that's not going to, that's not going to happen. It's really gets to the, like you ex said, the experiences, the passion of the people, what do they want to be able to do? I'm a firm believer. Just like you said, people get up and go to work to do the best work that they can. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to be a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer or an accountant. That's not how I'm wired. That doesn't like has nothing for me. I am a mechanical engineer. If just not only by degree and by, you know, experience, it's what I am. I just, that's how I work. It's how I'm wired. So anything that we all can do as lean practitioners to help people do what they want to do more I think it improves their lives. So back to the machinist story, you know, he comes up and he says, I don't know if all this is going to work, but now you've been with us for a while. I've seen what you guys have done. And I wanted you to know, I actually have the time now where I can help coach my son's football team. And I had two older boys. They played football too. I couldn't do that with them because I was here 60 hours a week at work. And I never asked if I could go do that, because I knew the answer was going to be no, because we're always behind, you know, we're, you know, you name it, we're doing it wrong. But now we're actually outputting more product, better profit margins, less overtime. Like I actually, you know, the overtime's there if I want it, but I have the choice now. 
So that guy's life is better and, and his family's lives are better. You know, he's going to have those memories with his youngest son and his son's going to have those memories with his dad forever. You know, five years from now, we're not going to remember the widget that we stayed late on a Friday to make. Right. Mm, that's, that's the stuff that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, it's, it's very interesting that you said that, um, and I want to circle back to you uh, when you said, you know, I'm not a doctor, or I'm not a, you know, um, uh, you know, a nurse. In a way, though, uh, those are just titles, mm. right? Um, and, and let's think beyond that. Um, I was wearing a, a jacket the other day that had a heart that, you know, that uh, I had um, I made for um, for my company. And uh, a, friend, a good friend of mine, Jessica, asked me, uh, one of our uh, unit managers, uh, um, I would say one of our most genius, really, uh, unit managers in, uh, in in the hospital. He's like, "What is this jacket?" Uh, and joking, said, "You know, I'm a, you know I'm a cardiologist," and we started laughing at each other. But I was like, you know, realistically uh, speaking, right? It's all about making the heart pump. Uh, while whether I'm not a physician to really um, uh, operate on the heart, my goal is to make sure that the heart pumps. Uh, when I say that. Uh, think about this for a second. You know, when you when you're passionate about something and you're excited, right? What happens? You know, your heart keeps from pumping, right? And you get even more excited, right? And your adrenaline goes off the roof. And you know, uh, think about it. Whenever it's a it's a it's a sport, it's a game, something. It's the same thing that you feel the joy, right? Uh, you don't go play soccer or baseball or football with your friends and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, I have to go and 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 play and meet up with my friends uh, six or seven to nine. We have to play golf, whatever." Uh, we have to go there and then uh, you see it as a, as a uh, you know, as a burden. No. So it's the same thing with, uh, with what we call work, um, which I know a lot of us have come to appreciate even more th- that four letter word, uh, because the more we see it as a work, that's exactly what is going to remain in our heads. But it really is about finding joy in work and, um, and really turning the value, uh, finding the value to what uh, what you do and what you offer other people. Uh, very nicely, you said it. We will never remember the widget, but we will remember the experience. You will never remember, uh, you know, uh, if you had to wait in line for 10 hours to go up in the roller coaster in Disneyland. You remember, though, that roller coaster ride that it was 20 seconds, right? Right? And you say, oh my gosh, can we go back in line? All right. Uh, I never had that experience when I was uh, younger. And, uh, you know, when I had the opportunity to go to some roller coaster rides, I'm, I'm like, can I go back in? And then I will wait another four hours. I don't care. So, so it's the experience that matters the most is not the work that goes in it. Uh, the, the, the experience is what we measure uh, at the end, uh, our happiness against. We measure, you know, our effectiveness against. The work, whether we, uh, you know, we like it or not, nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to take the, the shortest path forward you know, to people alike, we'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll do the we'll do it the exact same way. So I, I, I really I'm glad you said that. You know, it's not like you pick up the book and you say I'm doing it. You know, if this happens, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people try to write these things down, and the first one it doesn't work out. So um, it's really uh, in what I have I've, I've found. Uh, I would say the most exciting part in my life has been to uh, fail and fail big. Uh, and I'm okay with that, um, either on pr- my personal life or my career. I've done uh, mistakes left and right. But when I look back, I am glad at least I got to learn from them. 
it would have been a miserable uh, time for me if I had ignored those failures and I had uh, uh, put myself down and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm worth nothing and I'm not going to move forward. And that's where, um, where our impact in the Lean community comes, that helping people understand it's okay to, to fail. And failure, failure is almost like opening a book that you didn't know existed. Uh, and builds on, on top of our, you know, our decision-making bias. And, um, and goes back to uh, this week, I've had several discussions about that with teams about we need to get, how do we become more comfortable saying, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. Mm. Instead of just saying, I don't know. I mean, hey, what do you think we should do about this? I don't know. Right? So it's, that's, that's a different, um, uh, I would say that's a different really mindset and um, it's, uh, you know, it's really uh, almost a, st- a state of mind where a lot of times, uh, and uh, my good friend Jessica mentioned, uh, mentioned to me the other day is like, because I was trying to, uh, and one of the things I write in my book, seem to understand is, you know, when you hear people say, I think, I believe, I have a hunch, they don't know, right? So that's a sign, right? there, an opportunity to really play catch ball with them to really help them uh, expand the, uh, the threshold of knowledge. So uh, starting from saying, yes, I think we should do this versus say, you know what? I don't know. And then turning into, I don't know, but guess what? I'm willing to find out. So this state, you know, this um, phase transition, it's almost like water, right? Going on the three phases of water, you know, uh, solid gas and liquid. Uh, it's the same exact thing. So it's good to have um, the combination of all three, but you have to be very careful what you verbalize, right? Verbalizing what I'm thinking is relevant. Does it, does it add value and experience to anybody else? No. Uh, you know, saying that I don't know simply just to say it, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not even helping myself at that point. Like, right, right. I look myself, you know, I make myself look, uh, you know, look horrible. But saying really, you know what, guess what, I don't know, but together we're going to find out or I'm willing to find out, can you help me? Uh, man, does that open doors left and right. Um, uh, I've had the opportunity to sit down with a lot of our clinicians, uh, doctors, surgeons, and, and, and nurses, and therapists and say, hey, I don't know how you do your job or you know, specifically a portion of it. Can, can I shadow you? I would love for you to show me. I know I'm not a clinician, but I would love to know. And jokingly, you know, I say sometimes, you know, I know now so much that, uh, you know, I can be dangerous, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was mentioning to uh, my friend Marisa in the women's and children's section the other day that, hey, you know, when my wife uh, gives birth to, uh, to uh, our kids in the future and you're in the delivery room and I see you not following procedure, now I know I'm going to call you out on it, uh, yeah. jokingly. Uh, it's really uh, getting comfortable saying, I don't know, and I, I'm willing to find out. Otherwise... Uh, you, we're going to live on the fallacy that uh, that facade that we're building in that, uh, and that that makes us feel very comfortable. And when you're comfortable, guess what? Yep. Um, the train has stopped at that point. Right. right. And I feel like that happens sometimes and sometimes we don't even know it. So I don't know. I don't know if we always do it consciously where we say, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I know what I need to know because, you know, lean, you know, there's a lot of talk about lean transformation failure rates and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, what the struggles are. And I feel like, well, for one, I don't subscribe to that, but I won't get into that (laughs) because I've, I've railed against that enough. But one of the things I feel like, you know, if you get to a certain level, whether it's leadership management, you know, doctor or, or education level or whatever, 
I, I do wonder if it gets harder and harder for folks to say, I don't know, or I don't know, but I'm willing to figure it out. Can you help me? I, you know, I don't know if there's a correlation. I got to maybe do some more research and look and see if anybody's ever done that kind of a study where it's, you know, maybe, you know, the higher up in an organization, you know, you're looked to, to be the leader, you know, as a neurosurgeon, you know, if I have to go get brain surgery and ask him, Hey, what if, you know, what if I do this or other thing? Well, I don't know. You know, it's like, geez, I'm not going to feel too, right. Too comfortable, but you know, that's a different, I think that's a different situation. I think in, in the context of what we're talking about, I would love to be able to see more of that where folks will be comfortable. Like you said, regardless of your rank and file to say, you know what? I don't know. Cause we always say, right. As lean practitioners, people doing the work know the best. And that's a hundred percent true all the time. Because, you know, if I'm some, if I'm a plant manager, which I have been, I don't know what everybody out on the shop floor does every day, all day. I don't, I don't know how to run every job. I don't know how to run every machine. I have to be of that mindset of that humility level, right. To ask those questions and say, you know, I don't know, Panos, you do this every single day. Help. Can you help me understand what you do? And that's why I love what you just said, shadow them, go to the Gemba, right? You go and see, and okay, now I have a better understanding. Exactly right. And, and as a leader, regardless of what your title is, uh, because often as, as individuals, we get hung up on the titles. Hmm. Um, even if you're a CEO or a, a whatever executive you might be, um, your job is not to know all the answers. And I want to revert back to uh, Jack Welch. Jack Welch was very clear. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. And man, uh, I can tell you, he, he is beating that uh, mentality, has been beating that mentality to us uh, and many other students at the, uh, at the Institute uh, for many years. And uh, it goes back to, uh, to, to the fact that build a winning team, right? Build the people, around, build, build the environment around you where you can build the right answers. Right through you know uh, you know trial and error. Um, so when you hire a contractor, the contractor doesn't know how to build the house. That every single detail, what does he do? Right, he has you know um, an electrician, he has you know uh, the the builder, the, you know, the the concrete guys, and you name it. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows perfectly everything, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, often we find individuals that they try to do that and they're not only cutting themselves, uh, they're spreading themselves thin, but they're, they're robbing themselves from the opportunity to even learn more because it goes back to the mindset I, uh, I mentioned to you is, uh, I'm not going to say I don't know because I do know, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, uh, I started my career, you know, on the floor and I became a plant manager, right? So uh, I, I, I would say, a quote, unquote, um, uh, an also good version of Paul would be, I'm a plant manager. I know every single, I've done everything here. So don't tell me how to, you know, you have problems with the message. Just go there and fix them. And that's where we look. And that's where, unfortunately, uh, we are robbing ourselves from creating an experience. Um, we want to build an environment where, you know, uh, uh, we don't know, but we're building the team around us to make, you know, to figure out the answers. And uh, as a leader, regardless, you know, as an, especially as an executive level, it's not, uh, your effectiveness is not necessarily just the results on your PNL. 
It's by looking around and say, do I have a winning team? Is that team uh, can break through the ceiling, right? And, uh, and really take this hospital, this uh, manufacturing facility, this business to a whole different uh, level and be competitive. Um, it's not just about looking at the numbers because uh, I've been mentioning this and I've been coaching this and teaching this for many years now is numbers can be achieved in many different ways. And we all know that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how you get there is a whole different story. And can you maintain that pace and growth? And, and how do you do that? By building a winning team and making sure that you make the, you put the right people in the right roles. Um, and I know that's, uh, uh, that's another uh, great uh, fundamental from, from Jack. And we just have to get very comfortable doing that. Not hiring leaders that they know all the answers. He's hiring leaders that you know, build teams that can you know, come up with the answers. Right, right. So A lot of, yeah. I can't even argue. I mean, why would I? Because I'm a firm believer, just that, you know, Steve Jobs has a quote. Um, how does it go? It's something like, you know, we don't hire smart people so we can tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Exactly. And, and that, that's where the vulnerability comes, right? And you, you're making yourself, this is where the difference between uh, feeling vulnerable versus humility. Mm-hmm. Being able to tell me, you know, to build a team where people will tell you, you know what, this is what we should do. Right. And you say, you know what, let's go ahead and try it and see what we learn from it. That's humility. But this is what we should do and say, well, hold on a second. Let me let me customize it so I can uh, so I can make it, you know, my own answer. That's, you know, where you feel start feeling vulnerable. And then that's where your ego now takes first place. And that's mm-hmm. that's the recipe for failure. Um, I can tell you that the most exciting part has been for me to see teams um uh, move forward uh, without my help. Uh, you know, after pairing up with them and, and building that team, right? Seeing 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 them almost, you know, being uh, autonomous, you know, self sufficient, and that's what excites me because then I know that uh, uh, I can say jokingly, you know, my job is here, is done. Off to the next team. Um, that's what what really excites me. And uh, numbers, will, you know, numbers and uh, outcomes and outputs and all that will be achieved as long as you build the right team. And to build the right team, you have to have that winning mentality in your head that is not about me, it's about my team. And uh, that starts by saying, you know what, I don't know, but heck man, I'm willing to find out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find people to work with and I'm gonna build that team. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, we try to do that every day, uh, especially here at Bryant Health. I can tell you that's why I was very excited um, to join this uh, this wonderful team because you know I have the opportunity to say, you know what guys, we don't know, and I will work let's say with a nursing team um, from the many that I get to work every day. Uh, we're working, for example, with um, you know with uh, surgical side infections, so, you know during C sections, and we say, you know what, we are a team here. You know, it's me and then the team of uh, of nursing staff. You know what, we don't know the all the answers, but guess what? Let's incorporate some providers. Let's incorporate some, uh, you know, some uh, pharmacy. Uh, let's incorporate some, you know, whoever it might be, right? For depending, of course, the different topics that we're working on, and and build that team that can come up with the answers, and not just, um, you know, drive the, um, uh, you know, the team forward just because of the one person or the one idea. Uh, it's it's pretty much like a wheel, right? The wheel uh, in in our car, uh, as it rotates, right? Every part of the wheel feels a different part of the road each time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Every part of the team gets to build on 
that initial momentum, right? And keep on growing and keep on growing it. Uh, if we don't understand that, unfortunately, and that's where, um, you know, lean transformations fail because they're not built on the mentality that we're going to move forward with the, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and not just expressing, you know, well, yeah, I think, you know, based on what my experience in the past, I can, I can turn these around pretty quickly and I can make us some money and basic experience can go up. Well, that's exactly what you're doing right now. You're thinking and you're being arbitrary. Right. So Panos, I do always like to take a little bit of a break from the, I don't even want to call it the formal part of the podcast because it's pretty informal. I play what I like to call the wicked fun part. So I get some rapid fire questions for you if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Uh, what do you think about when you're alone in your car? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, typically I would say my family, I was like, okay, uh, figure out ways to spend more time with them, even uh, during the day. Uh, you know, my, my beautiful wife and, uh, we're expecting, so, um, you know, how we can make more time with, uh, you know, now that we, we, we can, right. That we have uh, the opportunity. Right. Nice. That's a very wholesome. That's a good answer. I like that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, tell me something about your last job other than money that would have inspired you to stay and keep working there. Uh, I would say the, the leaders, uh, the last job I would say before, uh, I started my own consulting firm and, uh, a few years back in 2014, it was with the Brown printing. So in the, in the publishing world, um, and I can tell you, I had a great, uh, individuals working with, uh, and, uh, one of them was the senior vice president of, um, manufacturing that actually came back from retirement, uh, as, uh, uh, you know, to help the company out. And he used to be the CEO of the company for, I believe over nine years, hmm. So uh, we used to challenge each other every day, right? So we made best friends out of each other, uh, regardless of our age difference. And we used to hang out all the time at, the, at, the, uh, at work and really challenge each other out. But uh, in reality, what we were doing is we were really expanding each other's threshold of knowledge. So um, I had a great time with Dan. His name is Dan Mitch. And um, I had a great time with Dan and, uh, you know, a lot of laughs and uh, it was really exciting to to learn from him as an executive and spending a lot of time shadowing him because um, I he allowed me the opportunity to to see myself beyond just you know a director level in operations. He, you know, I was like my vision is to be an executive, not for the title, for to be able to start building my own teams. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Um, what's one thing nobody knows about you? Ah, nobody knows me. You got to keep it G-rated. This is a family show, Panos. That's right. That's right. Uh, wow. Uh, let's see. Um, I would say, uh, man, there's a lot of things that probably people don't know about me, but um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, in college, I used to build rockets, right? So I was, uh, my dream has always been to be a pilot. Uh, and um, if you remember the, the movie, uh, The Iron Eagle, Oh yeah, of course. Iron Eagle, right? So uh, I remember videotaping these back in the day. I had it on VHS and I used to watch it every weekend. I was obsessed. You know, I, I, I used to get a magazine in, um, uh, in Greece that, uh, you know, uh, taught you all about uh, the planes and you actually can build like, some model planes. So um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I wanted, in, uh, as, as I was graduating high school, I wanted to go become a pilot. Unfortunately, uh, I would say my parents, uh, were a little scared with the idea and actually they employed a lot of my teachers to, uh, uh, to change my mind. Mm. And that's where, uh, I would say, okay, I will, I will chase the next best thing that, uh, I'm excited about. 
uh, which is physics. Mm-hmm. Now, could have, could have, you know, the, looking back, right, um, goes back to uh, chase your passion uh, versus chase uh, what you're good at and then you, what you can become great at. I would say, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I agree 100% that, uh, um, you know, with the path, but uh, I would enjoy to think, uh, you know, um, pilot. So maybe in the near future, I might do it in a more of a personal level rather than just the military. But uh, there you go. Yeah. Something that uh, I would assume only only my wife and my parents will know about it. So nice, and it's got to be easier because I refresh my memory. This is Iron Eagle's uh, where the kid, right? His dad's a fighter pilot, right. and he that's goes right. up that's and he tapes the Walkman to it, right? He plays that's music. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. great. Louis Gossett Jr. Chappie blows the eye. The whole that's you're right. bringing back that's a right. lot of good childhood that's memories. That time, right? right? Remember that time he was like you know with the Walkmans, right? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I had the cassettes and all that. So <laughs> you can imagine me being going to school with a bicycle, right? And I have my Walkman in my backpack and, you know, you feel like, you know, you're, you're flying a plane. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that movie too. That's funny. Um, what profession other than your own? Well, actually, I guess you just asked that. What, so I'll skip the, um, I'll skip that one. Usually, I was going to ask you what profession other than your own would you like to do? But I'll skip to this one. What profession would you not like to do? Um, I will, okay, I, w- I will avoid saying politician right now just because uh, yeah, yeah. That we live in. Um, you know, uh, for me, it doesn't matter um, so much the profession. Um, uh, almost, you know, I don't know if it's uh, uh, the way I was uh, born, at, uh, born or uh, I, I, I would say uh, molded my, my thinking is I'm, I'm in, um, intentionally curious. So regardless of what you threw at me, I would say that I will uh, try to find what I enjoy about it. So to give you to give you some context with that. Um, so uh, my father, uh, you know, was in construction. So um, he uh, he used to uh, operate heavy equipment. Um, and uh, I remember being little and I will go to his job site after school. And uh, man, I would just observe, observe, observe. And it was, it was, um, you know, it was a tough job. You know, you, you're in a piece of equipment sitting on that, um, you know, uh, operator's um, uh, seat for God knows 10, 12 hours a day. Uh, and uh, I remember around 10 years old, I will hop in on the machine, not, um, no training whatsoever, right? And I will operate it myself based on what I, w- I had seen. I had kind of decoded, right? All his hand moves and all that. So um, with that said, you know, my, my grandfather uh, was a fisherman. Hmm. We used to wake up five o'clock in the morning on, uh, on Saturdays and, and go, uh, you know, uh, catch the nets, which it was thrown the night before, you know, almost midnight. So I enjoyed, uh, you know, the way I was raised, uh, you know, we were a very you know, poor family, you know, um, nothing, no technology in the house or anything of some sort uh, back in the 90s. So uh, I was I was curious. I had not. Almost, there was no uh, limits to what uh, you know I could do, uh, or path. I would say what path I could take. So I was, I was just curious. So I don't think there will be a profession that will say I dislike, because I most likely will tell you that I will try to find what I might, uh, I might enjoy about it and build on that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very you know, healthy outlook about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've worked, I've worked as a as a waiter, as a busboy during my college years, right? Um, you know, I've. After my first year of toilets, let's let's put that way, now to to put myself through college. Yeah. So it doesn't matter to me, um, uh, you know, the the job itself. It's not. It's almost you know, it's the joy that comes with it. If you if you mm-hmm. click yourself, if you find that connecting point that you can be joyful about what you do, then you stop looking at it as a job. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I used to enough for nothing. I was a dishwasher for four twenty-five an hour. Now, granted, it was a summer job when I was in high school, but matter. still it was some, honestly me and my buddy, Chris, we, it was some of the best times of that period of my life. Right. We had a, we had a blast. It was, you know, it oh. was hot and steamy and we'd get chemicals on our hands that would eat the skin off. I mean, it was a miserable job and we got paid practically nothing, but we had a blast doing it. That's right. I mean, I was working uh, in restaurants during the summertime when I was in college. And I will tell you this, it was, and I remember this very vividly, uh, November time. And uh, it's uh, Friday morning, you know, Friday night, I'm sorry. And I wake up in the middle of the, of the night, right? Uh, because I was, I had a nightmare that I had forgotten somebody's, uh, you know, rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Uh, and they were waiting for me uh, in the table. So, and I was like, when I realized where I was, I was in my dorm room and I was like, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, you know, I hate being a waiter, but in reality, I had a lot of fun and, and I met a lot of people and, uh, and, uh, I found the joy in that part of, uh, of the profession, I would say. Nice. Nice. Well, Panos, you know, we're just about out of time. So I just wanted to throw it out to you and say, is there anything that, you know, you kind of wanted to chat a little bit about, uh, that I didn't, we, we hadn't already. I mean, we covered a lot of ground. It's, it feels like we just started talking five minutes ago. Uh, I would say, you know, um, one thing that I, I, I would like to hear your opinion about is uh, where have you seen lately, especially how, you know, with the pandemic, uh, again, the pandemic cannot be just an excuse, but uh, with, where do you see the gap? Uh, you know, we're talking about lean, uh, helping organizations, you know, being more innovative, right? Taking the next step and not just, you know, cutting costs, uh, but really being innovative. Uh, where have you seen in your mind so far in your experience with your experience that um, the pandemic might uh, uh, propel that, I would say, notion forward hmm. or hinder it? Oof, that's a good one. I guess I would say that, you know, I think the pandemic has forced us as an industry forward faster than maybe we would have before. I mean, not for nothing, but this podcast was born out of the COVID uh, time when I wasn't doing a heck of a lot. Um, the setup that you see here was was all purchased during that time, partly for the podcast, but mostly because we had clients who said, you know, we don't want to stop training. You know, we got a triple P loan, so we're still going to be paying people production's way down because our customers are canceling orders. So we just don't want to lay people off. So let's take this opportunity and let's get some people trained, but we can't have you come in. So can you do it virtually? Well, the obvious answer is yes. So we had to quickly figure out, you know, how to do that. And that's what kind of this all um, started with. So I think there's some, you know, not to say that COVID was, is a good thing because it hasn't been. I do think that there have been some good things that have come out of it. Um, as far as gaps, I think it has, at least in our experience, my experience, I think it's opened up folks' eyes a little bit that previously thought lean was a cost-cutting exercise or a program, you know, and that kind of thing. Because, uh, you know, and, and we chat, you know, obviously we challenge that, um, but that's been around for a long, long time, right? In the last 30 some odd years since Kraftsick wrote that article at MIT. Um, you know, lean kind of gets a bum rap. Uh, I think people are starting to understand now, seeing how the pandemic has affected their businesses, because it's been rough for a lot of our clients. It's, up around here, we're known as Aerospace Alley. So we have a lot of tier one and tier two uh, aerospace suppliers. So, and on the military side, they didn't really slow down very much. But 
there's all this external forces affecting their business. So, you know, we've had clients who I'm thinking of this one place, uh, they, they have roughly 30 employees, nine of them, including the two owners who are brother and sister got COVID and it, it paralyzed them because there's only certain people who know how to do certain things. And when they're not around that just stops, you know, so it, it brings up the case for, you know, cross training. And then you start to dig into that whole process and you find a lot of stuff that you don't even have to do anymore. It doesn't add value to anybody. They always just did it because they just did it, even though they were very busy and, you know, all of the, the, the pieces of the, you know, the layers of the onion that come out when you start peeling these things back. So at least that's what we've gotten. Uh, I've seen that people are starting to come around to say, okay, I understand cost cutting would have been great, but I can see all the other stuff that you guys have been telling us from removal of non-value added processes, you know, and get those things out of the way so we can adapt faster to these types of things. Now, hopefully we'll never have another global pandemic in the near future, but now we know that it can happen and stuff like it can happen. Um, so I think people, I feel like people are starting to understand that lean is more about, you know, agility, uh, being able, you know, nimbleness and being able to, uh, uh, change and adapt faster which is really, you know, again, what it's all about and to what we've been talking about for the last hour is the employee engagement part. What experience do they have? You know, do they feel empowered? Because when they do, they'll be able to help the business adapt and overcome much, much faster. And that's kind of, to me, that's where, where it's all about. So I'm seeing that, you know, it's kind of coming around a little bit and people, it's kind of like that V8 moment where people are like, now I, now I can see it, you know, before they had a backlog of whatever, they had plenty of work to do. They were looking for people because they were just so busy. And then, you know, overnight that goes away. And it's like, okay, now what are you going to do? Exactly. I mean, uh, in, in one thing that, uh, you know, pandemic or no pandemic and, and, you know, yeah, of course we don't want any, any, um, any such things to happen again. Uh, will they happen again? Absolutely. And they have happened, you know, and we have said the same thing with the first pandemic back, you know, with the Spanish flu, right? Right. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. And, here we are. <laughs> right. and, and actually it has happened. I mean, not necessarily in the pandemic more, but, you know, in the last 10 years. Uh, but what I will tell you, you know, you know, obstacles will be inevitable forward. Misery is optional, though, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and when we, it uh, goes back to what I was telling you before that, you know, if we choose to be miserable, uh, it's almost like saying, you know what, I don't know. And, and you get stuck there. But it's really, you know, when you say, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out and overcome and, and uh, innovate myself that, uh, you know, you, you break through and open, uh, you know, you, you make doors where you see walls at the beginning, right? Just like you said, you know, you started the, the podcast and a lot of other folks did the same thing too. And uh, maybe you hadn't seen yourself making a podcast, you know, a few years back and here you are, right? Uh, so uh, definitely, definitely allows for... Uh, uh, for a different type of thinking moving forward, regardless of what the issue might be, um, pandemic, civil unrest, worse, whatever, people came out uh, in different state. Not everyone, but those that we were willing that were willing to uh, really adapt and uh, say, you know, what can be done? What if? You know, what if? That 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 is something that we all need to be uh, comfortable uh, asking that question. Nice. Well, I'm going to, I think we should leave it right there and leave people thinking. So that'll be how we close it out. Just say, what if? That's right. What if? Nice. Panos, man. It was so good to see you. 
I can't wait till we get to see each other again in real life. Oh, absolutely. We, we now, we now we appreciate each other, you know, actually paying attention to each other's face, right? Because now with the masks, yeah. right, <laughs> build it. so I'm glad that uh, at least virtually we're able to do that. So, yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on with us. I mean, mind blowing. This is going to be rolling around on my head now for good, good. days, for, if not longer. So thank you for that, by the way. I appreciate you for, for inviting over and giving this uh, this opportunity you know, to have that uh, nice discussion with you. Cool. All right, my man. I'll let you go. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, thank Panos. Have a, good, have a good Saturday. All right. You too. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Paul. Before I let you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for listening. Um, You've really made doing this podcast a very rewarding experience for me. Uh, I get a lot of messages from from listeners, and uh, you know everyone has something nice to say, which I very much appreciate. Uh, of course, I'm always open to you know uh, feedback on ways we can make it better. I mean, that's kaizen after all. And by no stretch do I claim to have got this all figured out. So if there's things that I could do better, please by all means uh, feel free to reach out and let me know. And likewise, if there's a somebody that you think would be a great guest um also let me know um you know there's a chance i don't know who those who those folks are um so somebody that you can help put us in touch with you know somebody you want to learn more about certainly let me know and i'll reach out uh, to those folks but um i hope you find the podcast fun and entertaining uh, uh, educational and and maybe even a little inspirational i hope that's really what I'm, I'm going after with this whole thing. So thanks again. And uh, one small ask, uh, if you don't mind, if you listen, you know, whatever your preferred platform is, if you could just, you know, subscribe, uh, give us five stars on Apple or, or whatever. Again, whatever platform you listen to, it just, it, it helps. Um, you know, the algorithms like it. So if you could do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, everybody.